country, watching out for deer, laughing along with wait, wait, don't tell me. Over the river, through the woods, you take us with you. This is radio you rely on. Become a sound supporter. Give us the constant support we need to keep you connected. Donate now at wjffradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listeners like you. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Good morning. Welcome to Catskill Character. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. And my guest this week is a real clown. No, seriously, my guest, Dwayne Cunningham, who resides in Orson, PA, is a genuine clown who graduated from the Ringling Brothers Clown College in Florida and went on to work in circuses very successfully as a clown, while also learning as much as he could about the care and training of all the animals you typically see in a circus. That experience eventually led to his show at Jungle Island in Miami, which was called the Doc Wasabi Animal Show. We'll get to that and more because Dwayne has also traveled the world as a professional comedian. This is a glorious story about a boy from South Philly who didn't have to run away to the circus because he had the support and encouragement from his family to be who and what he wanted to be. Here's my conversation with Dwayne Cunningham. Welcome to Catskill Character, Dwayne. Well, it's great to be here. I'm so happy to have you with me today. You know, for a kid from South Philly, you sure have gotten around. Let's start with your background. What can you tell me? Grew up in a row home, South Philadelphia. Uh, Dad was a newspaper printer. Philadelphia Tribune, Philadelphia Inquirer. Philadelphia Daily News, and uh, my mother was a, a homemaker, and I'm the baby of my family by 10 years, which has a lot to do with a lot of things. Like what? Well, being the baby by 10 years, every, by the time I was 10, they were all gone. It was myself, mom, and dad. Mm. So it gave me the whole third floor. And it gave me room to expand. The four of them were a year behind each other, more or less. And so it was just kind of uh, different having just uh, my mother and, and my father and being the baby by 10 years. Everybody thought uh, my father was my grandfather ah. and, <laughs> because of the age difference. And everybody thought my oldest sister was my mother. Well, I guess it does have its perks. You get your own room. You, as in your case, you got the whole third floor. That's pretty good. And a lot of attention from your parents. Always. Even, you know, it, for anybody who's a baby of the family, you will always be the baby of the family. Yeah. And your parents were so accepting. You told me that story about you always had snakes in the house and, you, and lizards. And some, one of your mother's friends commented on it one time in a not so great way. And what did she say? Well, my mother would always have um, cocktails at five. <clears throat> and uh, my mother's... Edna Cunningham. And so um, Ed, as we all called her, would invite people over. And people, you know, there was sometimes people would go, oh, yeah, but 
but your son, he has snakes, he has lizards. And my mother just shrugged it off. She'd go, well, you know, cocktails are at five and the snakes and lizards live here. So All it's, right, really your, it's really your, your choice. But we are drinking <laughs> at five. In fact, we'll be drinking before five, but you know, snakes <laughs> and lizards are still here. So. Still there. You know, I, I love that your parents encouraged you so much. And you also went to an alternative high school, right? I did, Mequon. Uh, I went to Mequon Upper School in Philadelphia. Credit, no credit, evaluations. Uh, truly a great experience. I had a wonderful high school experience. I uh, got to meet extraordinary people. And uh, when it came up that I was going to, uh, I don't know if it, running away to join the circus is a is a saying I didn't actually run away, but when that came, when that process, you know, came upon me, it was encouraged not only by my, my parents, but but in, in high school. I'd go into a high school where there was a, a lot of arts. We had a puppet workshop. There was a dance, dance theater. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't anything out of the ordinary. They, they encouraged it. So I was encouraged both um, as I went to school and I was encouraged at home to uh, be who I was and, and go do what I wanted to do. So mm. just, just having that as a foundation made uh, the road uh, very easy to travel. Mm -hmm. Am I wrong to assume that this high school didn't have like a lot of athletic teams? They were more interested in creativity and the arts? Or did you also have athletics? It's funny you should say that. We did. We, we had a basketball program. and. Ah. Uh, I wrote a short story about it once called The Cinderella Jocks because we would go to, we, we played Penn Charter, Friends Central. We played a lot of the other um, schools. Mequon was a socioeconomic school, like you paid according to like what your parents made. But we'd go and we'd play these other schools in basketball, and they, they called us the hippie school. You know, uh -huh. this was uh, 72, 3, 4, 75. And, uh, you know, we were long, hippies, and they had other names for us. Uh, we won't go into, but it kind of just made us like um, even more determined. So playing sports there was great. You know, growing up as a kid, I had snakes and lizards and I was kind of looked at, I sort of, I guess the reference now would be like an Urkel. But by the time I was 14, 15 years old, I could dunk a basketball. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I had snakes and lizards, but I could, um, I could, I could shoot a 20 foot jump shot consistently. I could dunk, um, I, I could go to my left, so uh, we had we had fun with sports and at at, at Mequon because of that because people thought you know uh, we were the hippie school we were soft but uh, we were also very you showed them we had some game too yeah. so that was fun yeah. why I wish I had gone to a school like <laughs> yeah right that. it was great it was Fantastic. great it was great so um, as you mentioned after high school you decided to go to clown college now I I'm I have forgotten because we spoke earlier were you in the first class of uh, clown college no. Ringling Brothers fifth I think the first class was sixty eight I was oh, seventy five okay so tell us about clown college clown college. Uh, an amazing thing, the um, the owners of the circus, the Felds, uh, Irvin and, and um, Israel Feld, bought the circus, and they had an old saying that they knew their clowns could fall down, but they didn't know whether or not they could get back up again. Uh -huh. So as uh, funny as that sounds, they, they were right because the circus was aged. So they had taken the Ringling Show, the Ringling Brothers Barman Bailey Circus, out from under the, 
the tent that it had been in for many, many years into buildings. And they decided to expand the show. So instead of just like this one circus, they created another circus under the same name. So there were actually two units of the circus. They, they had a red unit, which I was a part of, and the blue unit. So Clown College became a, uh, these, the, the, the Fell brothers were marketeers. They had a record store in Washington, D.C., and they promoted rock and roll concerts. In the, I know, right? In the 50s, early 60s, they were out promoting rock and roll concerts, and they had a love for the circus, so they bought one. So they, being market, marketing-minded people, they came up with the idea, like, let's have a school for clowns. But being marketers, they, it just wasn't a school. Let's have a clown college. So they had their older clowns would be actually the teachers. Circus Winter Quarter is in Venice, Florida. They had a, a uh, application, asked you things like, uh, when's the last time you cried? Who would you want to be if you were somebody else? Name a difficult situation and how you dealt with it. Um, Not exactly your typical essay for a college. Um, no, but, but you know, sports teams, sports teams have those questionnaires for players uh, that they're drafting. Oh. They do very similar um, applications. Okay. Try to get inside uh, of your head, see who you are. Kind of an application. And um, in 1975, they took four or 5,000 applications. They accept uh, uh, 50 people. We went to a 12-week course in uh, Venice, Florida. They taught clowning, uh, juggling, stilt walking, makeup, all the things that make up uh, circus life. Uh, we saw films at night on uh, Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd, uh, Charlie Chaplin, the Marx Brothers, uh, Dick Van Dyke. They just uh, inundated you with clowning, really. What do you think it was about you that made them choose you to be one of those 50 out of all those thousands of people? I'm fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> and when you're fabulous, you're fabulous. Oh, yeah. yeah you, oh, yeah. You're fabulous. I come from, you know, generations of... Um, Fabulous Fabulosity? People. I, I'm just saying. It's, you know, superior <laughs> genetic engineering is, is, is what I come from. So it just, uh, but, but that said, there were 30 of us that got picked. So there were a lot, there was a lot of fabulous going around. Uh -huh. And uh, it, it's a great question because everyone came from all across the United States and all different types of backgrounds. And the only thing that we all really had in common was that we were all there, and we all got picked for all the reasons you're asking. Mm. Um, and so that was an experience, just, just going there. About eight weeks in, you start rehearsing for a show that would take place on the last night. Mm. And you did solo pieces and assembly pieces and all kind of clowning pieces. And the owners watched, and guests were invited. My, my sister and my mother came. Um, so they came down the, to Venice to see it, and um, the, they, that night they go back in the office, the brain trust, the owners, and they decide on who they're picking for their show. And the next morning they come to where we were staying, a place called Venice Villas, right on the water, Gulf of Mexico, beautiful place, it's still there. And um, they collected those people they were going to offer a contract to, and we went back to the building and signed our little contract, and off we went into the circus. Amazing. Well, I guess that you have a lot of confidence, and that must have come through, too. And I think that's a really important part of, you know, choosing someone. They have to have confidence. 
Absolutely. I auditioned uh, in Madison Square Garden. I also auditioned at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Um, I did, um, I chirped. I was, I, I, I did a piece where I was a chicken from South Philadelphia. Of course. Of course. Of course you did. Chirp. Chirp. <laughs> Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem like it's that much of a difference from being a clown, but how did you become then a comedian? Well, um, by the time I was going to try my hand at comedy, uh, which was like 1980, Kansas City, had a little room uh, in a restaurant, and there was a couple street performers that I had met, and... Um, took it inside, but I had already been performing a lot uh, by the time I got there. And so I had the competence to get up on stage in front of people, mm. and I had skills like a juggle and everything, so I, I just kind of juggled a little bit, and then I started writing material, and I just took it from my childhood, all of that experience. I took it from where I grew up, grew up in, at, in a Jewish, black, Italian neighborhood in South Philadelphia. So I just took my life experiences up to that point and just started um, writing more, more stories, more of a, a storyteller. And then I realized that if I put just a little juggling on the end of that, I had a set. Out of that, I had an act. And out of that, I could go anywhere in the world, and so it just kind of snowballed. So it just never, it just never stopped. It, it really wasn't that much of a, of transition. a, of a transition. Yeah. No, because you know, like people like Dick Van Dyke, great. I mean, what a, what a great physical. physical yeah. And I had studied Van Dyke and 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 you know uh, Buster Keaton and Harold Lloyd and Charlie Chaplin. So movement was important in in, in my act. Facial expressions. Well, I learned that as a clown. Mm -hmm. So it, it it really just seemed like that the evolution was natural. Well, that's fascinating, and we're going to take a break now and come back and hear more from you. Yay, 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 yay. If you've just tuned in to Caskill Character, I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg, with today's guest, Dwayne Cunningham, who happens to live right here in Wayne County, Pennsylvania. We'll be right back after a short break. On last week's Wait, Wait, Mo Rocca described how German tourists heading to Death Valley plan to experience world record hot temperatures. Wearing nothing but sandals with socks. <laughs> I'm Peter Sagel. Come as you are to this week's News Quiz from NPR. Sunday morning at 10 on Radio Catskill. start to unravel The new release from Billy Bragg is always special and on the next Waggleload of Monkeys with me, Graham Rice, here on WGFF Radio Catskill, we'll hear the new single from Billy Bragg. Join me please for this little treat Sunday afternoon at 3. Welcome back to Catskill Character. This is WJFF Radio Catskill. I'm your host, Donna Fellenberg. I've been speaking with professional clown, comedian, and animal expert, Wayne Cunningham. 
In the first half of the show, Dwayne told us a bit about his history, going to clown college, working in circuses, and becoming a comedian who traveled around the world. In the second half of the show, we're going to look at Dwayne's involvement with animals and how he incorporated that love into yet another career. Let's get back to Dwayne's story. Dwayne, you told me that even when you were working full-time as a comedian, it didn't matter what city you were in, you always made it a point to go to the zoo. What led you into working with animals full-time? I think um, just like uh, being in the circus, um, you know, that, that question gets posed a lot. And I believe it chose me, like the circus chose me. I went to the circus a lot with my dad as a kid, and I loved the animals. That's what drew me to the circus. Mm. And circus is generational. Uh, meaning one family meets another family, they marry, the acts just get kind of spawned out of that. So clown college, to me, was a way to get into the circus. And I was fortunate enough to be on the show with great animal trainers, Wolfgang Hofsmeyer, Gunther Gable Williams, just around those type of animals, learning about them, the care, the, the training, Stevenson Dog Act, Rudy Lentz's Chimps, just all of those wonderful animal acts. So I, I got, I was there. And so after that, as, a, as being a comedian, and I traveled from city to city, I'd go to the zoos, I'd meet this person, I'd meet that person. I had the circus background. So again, it, it just seemed like a natural evolution. I got the opportunity to do my own animal show. Dr. Levine, who owned Jungle Island in Miami, offered me a show. Uh, you can do your own animal show. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he really? just left it up to you to whatever. Right. Happened. Well, they said, you know, what are you going to name the show? What would you name the show? That was that, you know, they had me in for an interview. And, and uh, what would you name the show? And uh, I said, The Wild Adventures of Doc Wasabi. And they were like, what? <laughs> and I thought, yeah. And they said, well, you're that not. That just popped into your head? Well, it had, I knew I had the interview, and I knew they, they were interested in the show. And, and so a couple nights before the interview, I'm thinking, like, the name of the show. And um, I was at the house in Fort Lauderdale and, and drinking some margaritas. And, um, you know, I just, I don't know. It, 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 literally, it came to me. It just, mm -hmm. it just came to me. And they said, well, everybody's going to think you're Japanese. And I went, well, I'm not Japanese. Uh, but it just seemed like I've been watching uh, Buckaroo Banzai, and I that 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 influenced me. My favorite movie was Hatari, which is a John Wayne film about catching animals in Tanzania in the early 1960s. So I combined Buckaroo Banzai and Hatari into the Wild Adventures of Doc Wasabi. Well, tell us more about Doc Wasabi and, and the show. So Doc Wasabi is, was an everything show. A lot of people called it a rock and roll animal show. We used music on the intros and, and coming in and out. And we did about uh, 12, we did 8 to 12 animals in about 17 to 20 minutes. Wow. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, it was just go, 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 go. 
And uh, the idea was to uh, get people's attention. Sort of like um, if you've ever seen the film Mr. Holland's Opus. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing, having that teacher in school that is a little bit wacky, a little bit crazy, but you're learning mm -hmm. from it instead of just talking. You know, an alligator is an alligator. But there are things about alligators that people don't know. And so when... You know, people go, what's the difference between an alligator and a crocodile? And I go, that's a question that's always asked. So instead of telling you, we want to show you. So I would have an alligator and my partner, Breeza, she would come out. Well, she actually had the alligator and I would come out with the crocodile. Uh -huh. So we would show people the difference between an alligator and a crocodile with live animals. What is the difference? Ah, uh, <laughs> well, crocodile, saltwater, alligators, freshwater oh, for the most okay. part. Okay. Alligators close their mouth. You uh, you see their their upper teeth over their lower jaw. When when crocodiles close their mouth, you see both upper and lower teeth on the outside of their jaws. Oh, okay. The only uh, crocodile in America is the American crocodile, Crocodilus acutus, and they are found um, just in the southern tip of Florida, up just a little bit up in the Miami Dade County because they like very very warm water. But alligators are tough, 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 tough. And they can be found as far north as like the Carolinas, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. But Florida is the only state where you find alligators in the entire state. And the only other place in the world where you find an alligator is in the Yangtze River province of China. Wow. Chinese alligator. Wow. You do know your stuff. Little stuff. So you actually used uh, Doc Wasabi as a teachable moment, as it were. Teachable 17 moments, minutes. Yeah, yeah. Doc or Wasabi, yeah. And um, yeah, it just, it, it, just, it just took off. It just, it just really worked uh, in, a, in a wacky um, kind of way. And uh, it, it actually worked exactly the way I hoped it, uh -huh. that, that it would work. Yeah. It was just wacky enough that it caught people's attention. Wasabi. You mean like wasabi? Yeah, like wasabi. Exactly. So right away you had people's attention. You've also worked with big cats. Yes. What's that like? Um, big cats are, are, are wonderful. I had the experience in the, in the circus of working with big cats, and I also have the experience working in an animal park with, with, with big cats. Big cats are, are, are lovely. You know, unfortunately, they face uh, tremendous pressure in the, in the wild. We have more, uh, more tigers in the United States in captivity than there are wild tigers in, in India and in Southeast Asia. And wow. So uh, that's, that's unfortunate. So like the perfect storm, it's a, a lot of things going on with uh, with tiger with all big cats, and and so uh, the experience of working with them is uh, was was great. It's mm. great as all all the animals. I mean, people always say, "What's your favorite animal?" And I always say, "It's like, what's your favorite color? What's, what's your favorite? Child? What's your favorite?" You know, what's your, yeah, what's your favorite uh, Beatles song? I mean, yeah. it's just it's just hard to pick one. And I've been blessed in my life to be able to work with so many different animals mm. that it's just hard to go, oh, I like that one more than that one. Of course, mm -hmm. there are ones that I, I, I prefer, but um, I like them all. I like mm. cows. <laughs> so, I love cows. I love cows. Well, okay. I mean, it sounds like you've had such an in incredible life. So exciting. How did you end up in Orson, Pennsylvania? Well, Orson, a most beautiful place. Yes. You know, Orson is a lot like Disney World. You can't do it all in a day. 
Huh. <laughs> it okay. just, you know. You're right. Orson is just, well, the whole area, Catskills, Orson, um, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful. I was on my way to uh, work at an animal park in South Africa um, last, a year ago, May. And uh, I have a friend who I've known for over 40 years who lives in Orson. And um, she has a house in Orson and some land and she needed it cleared. And she was like, well, on your way, why don't you, uh, why don't you stop here? And I thought, okay, because I was going to go from uh, Orson to England for the spring and then South Africa for the summer because it's reversed there. Mm -hmm. So I got here a year ago, May, and because of the virus, South Africa was shut down, still shut down. Oh. So couldn't leave, couldn't leave the country, couldn't go to England, couldn't, couldn't really go anywhere. And you think you go a year ago, May, it was just really started. Everything was shut down. Mm -hmm. And um, so I ended up staying in Orson. And I'm glad I did. South Africa is still shut down, and you know that is maybe or maybe not. I don't. I don't even think too much about that anymore. It's just forward we go. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I really just um, I loved it. And having lived in Florida for so long, and hearing people go, "Oh, I don't know how you could live down here. We love the change of seasons, and we go blah 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 blah." Well, now I've seen it. I've been here, came here in the spring. And now it's summer again, so I've cycled it, and it was one of the best things that I ever did in my life, decision-wise, to stay. It was a wonderful winter, even with all the snow, as long as you have the right gear. Mm -hmm. That was great. And then it was spring again, and to watch it turn from oh, three know. feet of snow to the way it is here we are in the third week of July, to watch that, that turn has been great. So it's been really nice, and I'm happy that I stayed, and I will probably stay. It's really good, you know. I, I have I have my cows. I I do part time at a dairy. Yeah, I was going to say to you, I can't imagine you not doing any work because you are a, a man on the move. You got to keep it moving. So what what are you doing at the dairy? I take care of the calves at the at the at the dairy. The, um, before they go to the heifer barn and become moms, I, I it's a family-owned dairy. Um, they've had the 80 years past June that they've had their family farm. So I, I take care of the calves there. And then I also work as a consultant on um, some nature documentaries. So that has me flying here and there around the country interviewing mm -hmm. people. Oh. Uh, about different different animals and stuff, and so that's a great that's that's kind of worked out well also. So I get to I get to you know take care of clean stalls and and feed baby calves, and then oh. hop on a plane and go here and there and talk to people about animals and their animal experience, and then I get to come back to Orson and the Catskills, and so um, I'm living the dream. You are living the dream. <laughs> I agree. And I, I'm so grateful that you came in today to speak with us. Um, we're, ha we're so happy. Well, I'm, I'm talking from all the listeners. I'm assuming that they are as happy as I am that you're here in Orson. It is, and I wore my... Oh, you got your Woodstock I got my Woodstock shirt. Oh, a friend of mine gave me this shirt. He was conceived at Woodstock. Oh, one of those stories. He was one of those stories, and he gave he gave me they gave me the the shirt years ago, and um and here you are and I've kept it and I've like um 
Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Dwayne. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having a wonderful show. I've listened to your show. It's great. And uh, everybody out there in the Catskills, uh, thanks for putting up with me. <laughs> okay. This has been Catskill Character with today's guest, Dwayne Cunningham. For updates about Dwayne, you can check him out on Facebook. I'm Donna Fellenberg. Thanks so much for listening. WJFF Jeffersonville. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Calicoon Theater, an updated vintage movie theater with new releases, film festivals, nostalgic screenings, live music events, and more. Information and schedule at thecalicoontheater.com. Support for Radio Catskill comes from Two Queens, offering coffee, tea, and bees. Located in Pete's Plaza, Narrowsburg, New York. TwoQueensCoffee.com. And from listeners like you. On this week's On the Media, a look at how journalism selectively judges objectivity and bias. Look, in my experience, no one has ever said, let's say, to a combat veteran, oh, you're too close to war, you can't be a war correspondent, or you can't cover veterans. Standards for thee, others for me. On the next On the Media from WNYC. WJFF Jeffersonville, Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. On air, online, on your smartphone, and on your smart speaker. Support comes from the Homestead School, Montessori Education, preschool through early college with campuses in Glens Bay and Hurleyville, building the intelligence, creativity, connection, and skills for an ecological future since 1978. Homesteadschool.com. From the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. Riverreporter.com. And from listener donations at WJFFradio.org. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store, featuring an award-winning chef, smoked barbecue year-round, local products and catering, now offering takeout, neversinkgeneralstore.com. And from listeners like you 